Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting show here today. today. Let's broaden our minds. I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. I want tater Arts and entertainment. And like it. There is an academic type of word I can apply. Verisimilitude. Holy moly. I'm hot today. This is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment on WMAY. I'm your host, Kevin Hart, and we do have a great show for you today. We got State of the Arts coming up first, talking with Gus about some of the several productions that are going to be going around this weekend, next weekend, and coming up later this year. Then we're going to have my discussion with Julie Ratz about the Springfield Ballet Company's new documentary, Through Clara's Eyes. You won't want to miss that. The trailer is up right now on their Facebook page. We're going to come back, talk a little bit about the new live production at UIS, Rogue's Gallery. Then after that, Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Annie, a royal adventure. It's all coming up, but first, here is State of the Arts. Let's talk about some of the shows that are coming up here in in the central Illinois area, because um, I talked a little bit, I talked with Hope a couple days ago, and I talked briefly with you um, before you went on air, that the Spirit of Lincoln... Um, unfortunately, because of the new COVID mitigations, will not be having its VIP event in person watching right. the filmed production. But on the bright side, I guess, um, Bill, it is a bright side. They're adding another virtual performance on the day that would have been the VIP performance. So the 13th, 14th, and 15th, you will be able to watch the virtual performance at 7 p.m. with uh, tickets as $8 a single ticket and 15 for a group ticket. So that'll be good. You know, it's unfortunate yeah. they had to... Uh, they had to sort of uh, just cancel the in-person event, but the people will still yeah. be able to watch it if they purchase their tickets. So that's great. Yeah. And um, you know, we, I think we all understand right now. We just have to be flexible because mm-hmm. the rules are changing daily. Yeah. And um, with the cases going up, I, I don't think this was a huge surprise to anybody mm-hmm. that we'd have to take a step back in November and as we get into you know the colder months. But it's still really disappointing. But it, it'll be still great to watch at home. And um, I encourage everyone to buy a ticket, really support the Springfield Theater Center, and uh, come out to watch this show online, a streaming performance. I think it'll be well worth your time, and I think you'll truly enjoy it. Yes, I do too, and I'm very excited to see it. Um, the show by Ken Bradbury, Roger Wainwright, got a great cast. Um, the cast, you can see the cast list, it's on um, it's on their website as well as um, the information to buy a ticket. Uh, and to, right, a uh, ton of great performers, a ton of great, great performances. local performers. Yes, yeah, so it is going to be it's going to be a stacked production. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, also STC is they are having um, you can submit some audition materials for the next couple of days um, for their Christmas um, their Christmas show. Um, it's it's sort of a, um, a virtual show they're putting together. The um, Santa's Workshops Got Talent. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't know as much about this one, but it seems they are putting together a lot of uh, different. I um, mean, it's, it's a kids, it's a younger, it's a ages five to eighteen show, but they're right. putting all these performances together, and they'll have roles. And so, yeah, so that's something also to look out for, like, be able to watch. And of course, if you are younger or have somebody in your house that you know is younger, a friend who's younger, they might be able to audition for this and do some theater this holiday season and bring some uh, bring some cheer through some theater that I'm sure uh, of course everybody wants some some nice some nice uplifting theater for the holidays exactly and they're doing this in an interesting way it's going to be a virtual performance um you know they're going to do a lot of their rehearsals via zoom they're going to do a couple in person but i think that the show itself is going to be presented 
if I'm not mistaken, this is I, I did read this somewhere that it's going to be presented kind of in a Zoom format, mm. and um, so it's really very unique. And um, I'm so I'm so pleased they're finding things that the kids can do and be a part of. That's that is so important yeah. right now, and very cool for them. Yes. So be on the lookout for that, and of course the um, the information of make, making sure that people can that the the uh, the young folks that you are friends with or in your family that may want to do this, make sure you get this um, in, information to them, the information to audition, so that they can uh, so that they can do some do some be active in the theater scene because yes, it is important that. Um, you know, theater, um, we have a strong theater presence, of course, as we all know, in this town. And yeah. there's a lot of shows and um, all sorts of programs for children. And those of, you know, as all sorts of theater has stopped around the world and some around this town, a lot of the, you know, the, the young performers, you know, are unable to do some shows. So this is really cool to be able to do something in the next couple it of months. It really here. is. And, you know. We're, we're figuring these things out, and they're going to hold their auditions um, via the internet, and their call, callbacks will occur with Zoom. So we're they're making the best of it. Yes, they are. And um, people are so used to working with Zoom right now that it, it'll be you know very easy to do. Yeah. So that'll be that will be good. We got another. Um, and and we also we have another show that is premiering this weekend that um I mean I feel kind of bad it's another one I did not know as much about um until very recently but this is um this is being put on at the UIS Performing Arts Center uh, this is right. Rogues Gallery um well not only is it a free performance they're actually performing this live there won't be an audience but from what i understand they'll be doing the show live um with their multi-camera setup and so sort of streaming it as a live production that is really cool i'm going to be interested to because they've already they did they did a couple of concerts recently the the faculty concerts with um oh my goodness i'm already forgot i should have written the names down with the you know the very talented trombone player the um the clarinet They, they they did both of those concerts uh, right. Live with the multi-camera setup, so so then they'll be doing this entire play, um, socially distanced, of course. Yes, each performance. So I think they're doing six performances, and each performance will be live. Yes, that is that is daring. That I, I but they're set up for that. They really, yeah. they've done a great job. Brian Reeves I, and I, I talked about it, and Carly Shank and I talked about it yesterday. Um, you know, they, they really retrained their staff how to be television station employees, basically, yeah. how to run the switcher, how to run the cameras, um, how to do the streaming. So they have learned a new skill set, and they will, they will not take this in advance. They will do it live each performance. So you have a chance to see something a little different each time you would tune in if you want to see it more than once. And it's a very interesting show, new show. Um, it, it's written in the COVID age, mm. so a lot of individual monologues, and um, there's even a, a monologue about COVID yeah. I read in the paper. So it's it's very up-to-date, very current, and um, Nia Tiller is in it. She was featured in the newspaper this morning, yep. and she was talking about it a little bit. And she described it kind of like a play version of Black Mirror, mm. you know, the, the, oh, yeah. the television show. Yeah. So it, it has some kind of quirky and dark subject matters and but there's a series of eight or several different monologues and um 
it's it's a very cool concept, and um, I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too. And because I again, I did not know a whole lot about this um, until just a couple of days ago. So um, <laughs> I feel bad because I'm I'm trying to make sure people get information about the arts out. But um, yeah, so this yeah, especially since it's going to be these yeah six live performances. Um, that's you know it's yeah it is very daring and it is going to be something to look out for. And I'm going to be. Um, uh, excited to see that one. Unfortunately, a lot of productions have either been canceled or put off till next year or two years from now uh, due to the pandemic, and that's all around the world, but especially hits hard home in central Illinois as we have so much theater going on and there's uh, so many productions that have had to have been moved. Uh, but and one of those uh, traditions is a yearly tradition on Christmas that has been going on for decades, the Nutcracker here in Springfield. And I'm talking with Julie Ratz from the Springfield Ballet Company. Welcome back, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. The uh, So, Springfield Ballet Company just put out a trailer uh, for a documentary, and we talked briefly about this when I last saw you at the um, at Southwind Park for one of the ballet company's performances. This documentary, Through Clara's Eyes, has a significance uh, with the Nutcracker here in Springfield. Tell me all about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the Nutcracker in Springfield has been such an important part of so many people's lives in Central Illinois, you know, not just the dancers and the production, but the audiences throughout the years. And uh, so not being able to have that live performance this year was really disappointing to a lot of people. So we tried to think about, you know, what we could do. And uh, we decided that we wanted to do kind of a documentary on the history of our Nutcracker. Because, you know, everybody's Nutcracker is different. And uh, we are very fond of ours. We wanted to, you know, show people kind of a behind-the-scenes look about what goes into the Nutcracker and how has it affected people. And it was so broad when we started thinking about it, you know, and all the hundreds and thousands of people who have been involved over the, the years since 1975. Well, then I thought, well, Clara is really the storyteller. I mean, it really is the story that happened to Clara. And most of the ballet is Clara's dream. And there have only been, you know, 30-some dancers who have danced the role of Clara. And so we're going to focus through Clara's eyes, and we're going to focus on all the dancers that have danced Clara throughout um, you know, our history, and let them tell their stories about what it meant to them to dance that role, how they prepared for that role, you know, how it changed their lives and the lives of their families. And, uh, and it, it sort of gave us a more narrow perspective, and then we can show, you know, some old footage and some old photos, and kind of a history of our Nutcracker. That's awesome. That is really cool. So there's, so there's, I'm sure there's been many, um, there are many dancers who probably still live in Springfield or at least around the Springfield area that have played Clara. And then of course, um, other dancers that, uh, are now living around the country, um, that yeah. may have gotten their start in Springfield. How, um, talk about a, a couple of the dancers, um, both who are here and maybe are now living elsewhere that, um, are featured in this documentary or, um, yeah, talk about well, it. We- we uh, featured some local people um, and some who are students away from home. We featured uh, Cecilia Donathan, Olivia Pinnell, Carrie Pinnell, and Olivia and Carrie are mother and daughter, and they both actually danced that role. All right. Uh, so that was really, really cool. And uh, Oslin Grant, who danced the role last year. But we have um, 
as part of this documentary, a Where Are They Now section. Nice. That's going to show where all of these women are now and what they're doing. And it's awesome to see, you know, where everybody has been. And they're scattered all over the world, of course. And uh, all of them are doing fantastic things. You know, we've had professional dancers. We have doctors. We have lawyers. We have every kind of person under the sun has danced the role of Clara. Um, But a lot of them have gone on to professional dance careers. I mean, a majority of them have gone on to professional dance careers. So that's really exciting. So you can kind of see some pictures of them dancing after they left Springfield. Um, You know, Julie Tice was is from Petersburg and and she went on to dance with Paul Taylor and she danced all over the world for Paul Taylor Dance Company. Mm. Uh, Lauren Omer danced professionally in New York and now she lives in Mexico. Like it's just really interesting to see where people have have settled after their time in Springfield and and a lot of them are still here so that's kind of nice too. Yeah, that is that is really cool and there's um it, and it is it is so cool to see that that um that you know this you know because i know there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of productions um there's a lot of there's a lot of people in the productions in the, the central illinois area that um go on to other things but they still have these springfield roots and it's the same with uh with the nutcrackers i you know realize it goes on every single year and um and you know my goodness you know gus and i were talking earlier about um you know, just, you know, and how grateful we are in the past, like, at least the past decade, but I'm sure people have been realizing it, like, like how, like, athletic and, like, so, like, physically demanding it is to be a dancer, and especially a ballet dancer. I mean, it's, it, like, it is so incredible um, what yeah. you guys um, do and have been doing. Um, so, uh, so this so this documentary, the trailer is out for it. Are you... Uh, is the, is it finished? Are they still working on it right now? And when is it uh, going to be coming out? Well, that, they're still working on it right now. And uh, it's going to come out the day after Thanksgiving. So Black Friday at um, 6 p.m. is the uh, launch of this video. And it's going to be the VIP experience. If you want to watch it that night, um, it costs more money. It's sponsored by Landmark Automotive Group. But you'll get a really cool package of Nutcracker sweets because in the Nutcracker, all of the uh, variations are from different countries. So there's like Spanish chocolate and Chinese tea and Arabian coffee, and, um, Russian tarts and bonbons and sugar plums. Mm. So we're going to put together like a goodie, you know, basket of all of the treats from different countries. And so we've gotten all of these treats from all over the world. And so if you get the VIP experience, you'll get the regular documentary plus your bag of treats Plus, we're going to be live that night. And so it will be like a really interactive experience where the audience can ask questions and we can talk back to them and, and show a little bit extra footage. But then for the next month, from December 4th to um, January 3rd, 2021, people can watch it at other times. And so you just go on the Belly Company website and you buy your ticket. And then, you know, you can buy one ticket and everybody in your family can watch it. And you can also stream it on multiple devices. So if you want to start watching it on your phone and then switch to your television, you can do that. So it's a really cool setup. All you have to do is click buy my ticket and then they'll send you the link and then you can watch it at, a, at you know, at your convenience. That's awesome. Is that through show ticks? Yes. Awesome. Okay. That'll be, that'll be really cool then. And that's so, so yeah, that'll be, um, 
That'll be Black Friday, which uh, I know a lot of people like to go out and shop on Black Friday, but look, you don't want to with during the pandemic, and this is something <laughs> infinitely better to do on Black Friday. That would definitely not be a good thing to do this year. No, it go would not. out shopping on Black Friday. Yeah, I know. So this is what you want to do. So, so get. So, no, please don't do that. Please no, please, stay home please and don't watch stay our home. And no, I, yes, and stay home and watch this because this is going to be wonderful. It's a piece of Springfield history. Um, something people love the Nutcracker, which is a tradition. It's been done every year since. Uh, 79 or 1980? 75. Right? 70, no, 1975. 75. Okay, I was wrong. About that. I, I I said 79 earlier, but yeah, so it's been <laughs> 45 years they've been doing the Nutcracker yep. here in Springfield, and you'll see some familiar faces and uh, some people, some, some familiar faces from years ago, possibly, if you knew these people that were the productions are now off other places. And it's another yeah, great... Yeah, it was really cool to go through the archives of the Ballet Company, you know, photos and programs to pick out stuff for this and uh it, it's going to be really neat especially yeah, if I'm, you've ever been to the production and then also if you've never been but you want to go someday this will give you a great like behind the scenes look so you'd have like a different appreciation next time you go to the live performance you know you'll know some things that the other audience members won't know that's true you will and um and it will be and it is is nice to have have this you know of course the ball- the uh, the Nutcracker Ballet is a gigantic production that you guys put on, and for obvious pandemic related reasons, we can't have it. But this will be a good uh, this will be a good alternative for this time, and so people will be ready and excited to see the Nutcracker again uh, next year. Um, and yes. we'll be back and better than ever, I'm sure. Uh, so uh, so once again, how are people able to watch this, and when will they be able to watch it? You can go to our website, um, springfieldballetco.org, like Springfield Ballet and then company, but it's just co.org, and it just pops up right there, and there's a QR code you can scan, or you can just click the button, uh, and you can pick when you want to watch it. Uh, You've got, you know, a month to watch it at many different times, and uh, it's like under an hour, I believe. It's not finished yet, but that's what they're shooting for, and... uh, very simple. I think that we also own the domain of the nutcracker.org, so mm-hmm. you could probably get there that way. All right, awesome. But it's called Through Clara's Eyes. Okay. Through Clara's Eyes. And that trailer is on the Springfield Ballet Company's uh, on their uh, Facebook page. That's where I found it, and I shared it on yes. the Facebook page as well. So make sure to go watch it because it is really cool to see. And, and sound on for sure. And sound- you, have, you have to watch it with the sound on. Yes, you have to watch with the sound on because you will hear all about it. You'll hear a couple voices again, some voices you may recognize. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, make sure you uh, watch out for that. Uh, watch the trailer and then make sure you get your tickets for through Clara's Eyes once they go on sale. Julie, thank you so much for joining me once again. We'll talk again soon. Um, Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Talk to you later. Okay, talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Joined by Eric Thibodeau Thompson, the director of Rogues Gallery at uh, UIS Performing Arts Center. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks, I, good. I so this is a production that is um, that is premiering this weekend, and it is we've seen a, a lot of virtual productions um, over the past couple of months. Um, this production is going to be it is live streamed, but it will be performed a lot of these productions have been um filmed and then streamed but this one is going to be performed live over the live stream um is it that's right 
Um, so how so how'd you guys uh so, so I mean this is pretty ambitious because this is the first uh this is the first uh, show uh being done virtually that's sort of uh, doing this live uh this com- this completely live uh, performance at least um in this in this age that we've been doing there's I mean, live streams you know performances of course have been over you know Facebook and certain things but I mean this is really interesting so because you guys got the whole multi camera setup how how have you guys been uh how has this been going? Did you guys have any test uh, test sort of recordings or streams of this? Well, it's been going really well, thanks. Um, and, and you're right, it is a little bit ambitious, I suppose. But um, through it all, safety has been really number one. Right. We've uh, we, It goes back to last summer, in fact, when we had a different show that was originally scheduled to be our fall production for UIS Theater. And, you know, as COVID started to rage, uh, the theater faculty, we all looked at each other and said, well, gee, I think we're, we're going to have to make a switch for the fall. Add to that, that the rights that we had for the original show in the fall, uh, the rights were coming from London, and it was a, a deal where they were not approving live streaming. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that I looked into that last summer because I thought, okay, with COVID raging, I better make sure they're okay with alternate ways of producing it and and you know uh that is their prerogative but they were not they said no no this is just for traditional in front of a live audience so at that point i I realized okay let's make a switch and as i went researching uh what attracted me to rogues gallery was that john patrick chanley the playwright uh he pieced this show together uh partly as a response to covid so that theater artists would have something meaningful to work on and then Fast forward, we, uh, you know, drafted a safety plan for the theater program at UIS, keeping one eye on our health leadership at UIS to make sure we're in compliance with what they direct us to do, but also keeping an eye on what the governor mandates so that we're in alignment with all those um, guidelines. And so we got to the fall and, uh, you know, we, we had to check in a number of times Additionally, because COVID is a moving target, as we all know, yeah. uh, and we are just grateful that uh, because we are still in um, the current guidelines of safety with both UIS and the governor, uh, that we are able to live stream it. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about the show, because, I mean, you said it's um, it is very recent, um, dealing, yeah. dealing very much with the pandemic. I mean, what's it... Um, I guess, what's the show about? Because I don't know a whole sure. lot about well, it. Sure, well, and that's a great question. Um, it, it is, Roque's Gallery, a collection of monologues. And that's one thing that attracted me yeah. to it. Because, you know, monologues, uh, you know, hey, it's got some built-in social distancing. And yeah. I thought, uh, you know, I, I respect productions that during COVID decide to wear masks. And I respect productions that do it other ways. But I personally was really hoping to find some angle where actors did not have to wear masks on their faces. Mm -hmm. And this was one possible route, in part because there's no scene partners for every scene, if you will. So, um, John Patrick Shanley, these are ten monologues. Uh, Some of them come from one act that he has written in the last two to three years. Uh, uh, One or two of them, I believe, he wrote as a response to COVID. In mm. fact, um, there's one monologue, it's called Lockdown. It's uh, the final one that we do, and it is, uh, the character is in the middle of a pandemic. 
<laughs> and uh, she's she's speaking to her lover, and uh, she's engaged, and it's complex, and you know it reflects like all the monologues do how complex life is for everybody, not just during COVID, but in, in general. So, uh, with the fact that they are monologues, that's part of what attracted me to it, and um, then also um, just that all of the characters uh, I think are quite real in terms of being just modern day characters who are complex. They are all of them characters who are in and around New York city. Uh, and it takes place all of the monologues do in the present time. A few of them take place in what I call the near present, meaning, uh, you know, in the, within the last five years or maybe even the last 10 to 20 years, mm-hmm. but most of them are, uh, the present time in and around New York city. Um, the, there are 10 monologues, uh, but the rights are such that one has the option to do uh, fewer than the 10 if one wants, and we made that decision to do 9 of the 10, partly just because the 10th monologue is by far the longest of the 10. It, by itself, uh, is about 20 minutes long. Mm. Uh, it, it would make for a longer running time, and I just thought in the grand scheme of things, as I was wrapping up casting, uh, let's do nine of the ten and 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 get them home in time for the news. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but 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 uh, just a quick word or two more about what it's about. E- of each of the nine monologues that we're doing, nine of the ten, these are characters who uh, there are nine separate stories, uh, short stories, uh, New York short stories, and they are just different walks of life. All of them uh, are struggling with. Uh, something that they've recently lost. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an item. Uh, maybe it's a connection to someone or something, and they're trying to get it back. They feel each of these nine characters that they've been upended recently, uh, and they feel that they are on the outskirts of society um, in, in, in some shape or form. All of them are complex. Some of the characters have made some not great decisions for themselves, but I think there's a universal quality that stitches through all nine uh, of being upended and trying to get back some form of normalcy for themselves. And I think that's something that we can all relate to right about now. Yeah, that's that is something I think all of us are yes definitely looking for a return to normalcy. How is this? So how do you rehearse a show uh, such as this? Because um, of course. During the uh, during a pandemic, um, of course, socially distanced uh, rehearsals. Um, either did you guys do any sort of over like video sort of uh, rehearsals, or was it one on one, or how did you how did you how well, was supposed I'll, to go? That's another great question, and I'll try to say it as succinctly as I can. It, we we it, it, there was a lot of planning on the front end um, before auditions and crew interviews even took place. Um, I had plan a plan b and an emergency plan c and just real quickly plan a mm-hmm. uh, which was our goal and what is now about to happen is to live stream the six performances beginning tonight mm-hmm. plan b uh you know if covid were to rage to such a degree where the governor and our our health leadership and our chancellor were telling us don't even leave your home for anything well then we were hoping to make a recording of one of the dress rehearsals and in that case we would just rebroadcast the recording six times. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that was plan B. Um, and we made that recording just a few nights ago, but happily, I don't think we're going to have to use it now. We can live stream instead. Emergency plan C was if COVID was really, really even more terrible than it is, uh, where we couldn't even go to campus, we couldn't even step outside for anything. Well, then we were going to have uh, the nine monologues, the nine performances zoomed in from the respective actors' homes. We had uh, invested in some green screens and equipment and cameras to accommodate that. And along the way, as we rehearsed, we were rehearsing usually for plan A, but occasionally for plan B, and even sometimes for plan C. That was all sort of built into the rehearsal schedule. So you were able to get together and do these um, do these live, and it's, you know, like theater has been just six, uh, you know, six different performances, I mean, of the same show, but, you know, um, yeah. how it is, you know, go see the show, it's the same show, but it's not the same show every time. What- well, that's right, and, and we wanted to, you know, for our students, and we, you know, we regularly have community actors working alongside our students, and I think our audiences really enjoy that, because... Uh, as amazing as our students are, uh, I think audiences like the fact that, hey, it's not just 19-year-olds playing all the parts. You yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, during the rehearsals, too, I should say, we were all of us masked up for mm-hmm. all the rehearsals, always incorporating social distance and being very careful about having a limit on how many bodies were in our rather large rehearsal studio, uh, in addition to other precautions that we were regularly taking. Yeah. All right. That is that is great. I will be watching the show. How, tell people how they can watch it, um, where to go to watch it, and um, when it will be sure. running. Yeah, it, it's pretty easy. I, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do it, but if you simply go to our website, www.uis.edu slash theater, and theater in this case is spelled R-E on the end. The so correct spelling. You, Yes. <laughs> yes. UIS.edu slash theater. Uh, the homepage has a link right there, um, and you just click on that, and it, it's pretty user-friendly. It will guide you uh, to another link or two so you can get your free ticket. And I know that might sound a little odd. Well, if it's free, why do we need a ticket? Well, simply put, uh, the, the rights were worded such that uh, uh, they wanted us to have uh, the viewing only by ticket holders. And then it was up to us, you know, how much we would charge or not. And we decided, you know, given how life is right now, let's, let's not charge anything, but hopefully, uh, some patrons might be inclined to give us some sort of donation. And there's an opportunity for that on our website as well. I should say too, that while curtain time is seven thirty for all of these shows, except for this coming Sunday, when it's at 2 PM, um, if a person can, we want to encourage people to uh, log on and start viewing 15 minutes earlier just to get a few extras because we've got a nice dramaturgy uh, presentation. We've got an interview with a couple of theater majors of ours. Um, you know, there, there's a PDF of an abbreviated program for folks to look at. Uh, those extras can be enjoyed if one logs on about 15 minutes early, so 7.15 or in the case of Sunday, one forty-five. Uh, the curtain is yes, seven thirty, but seven fifteen, then one forty-five or two o'clock on Sundays. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Break legs to everybody in the cast of the show, and I'll be talking to you sometime soon.
Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate sharing the info with you. I will just leave you with this thought that there's only one Sunday show, and that's this weekend. Okay. Our website can remind a person of all the dates and times. Again, it's real easy on our website, uis.edu slash theater. And Kevin, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. It's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Kevin Hart. <laughs> no Grace Farrell. I don't know why they wouldn't want her to be in it because it's, it's not like it was a casting issue because every single person was recast that was in the previous movie. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But she's not in it, so Warbucks, I guess, is a bachelor or divorced or never got into a relationship with Grace Farrell. Who knows? I don't know. But but it seems odd to base it so much off of this original movie and then just not have one of the main characters. Anyways, so in the movie, we have George Hearn playing Oliver Warbucks. George Hearn, of course, well... If you are familiar with the musical Sweeney Todd, he played Sweeney Todd in the uh, the version that they filmed for TV in 1982. And then, of course, again, uh, he played uh, opposite Patti Lapone in a concert. Welcome to the grave. I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. That's our lovable... Uh, male lead who just loves Annie and he's this lovable billionaire. <laughs> oh, it's always a fun time, isn't it? A great musical, by the way. So it seems like it would be a, a, a great choice to have a wonderful singer like George Hearn play Warbucks, even though there's no singing in this until the very end of the movie. They sing tomorrow, like at the end, because it's, you know, it's the big song, of course. But yeah, so I guess... You know, in, in real life, George Hearn would probably be a really good um, Oliver Warbucks, but then we also have Ian McDermott, who plays the Emperor in Star Wars. He plays this professor named Professor Eon, who creates this uh, this element called Eonite that's used, uh, they try to use it for nefarious purposes later on in the movie, yeah, you know, whatever, and he's just doing some some goofy antics throughout, and he's got crazy hair, and it's you know, very stereotypical. Joan Collins plays the main villain, Lady Hogbottom. Now, she has an interesting story for a G-rated movie. Her aim is that she wants to blow up Buckingham Palace and kill everyone inside it with a rocket so that she can get her family name back as royalty and she can become a queen. That's uh, that's a bit much for a G-rated movie. Now, the the uh, the original Annie movie is PG, and there's some swearing in it, and it's it's kind of dark at times. But this is like, you know, it's like oh da 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 da. It's a kids movie, and she's like, I'm going to kill everybody. And it's like ooh ooh. But that all happens in Britain, and we have to get to Britain first. So. Let's jump ship. And by that, literally, I mean because one of the first things that happens is they get on the ship. But before they get on the ship, Annie visits a fortune teller who sets the stage for the rest of the movie. This fortune teller says there are going to be nefarious characters in your future and you're going to go on a long trip. And Annie's like, I don't know about any trip. And she gets home and Warbucks is like, we're going to England. And everyone's like, ooh, suspicious characters. So, Annie's allowed to bring her friend Hannah with her. I don't... Hannah's, I guess, one of the orphans. I don't think there's an orphan named Hannah in the musical, but 
they do bring Molly, who is one of the orphans uh, from the musical. They do bring her along. They have to stow her away, though, and they they put her in a uh, they put her in a suitcase and stow her away on the ship. Are you all right with me? Fine. I'm just worried about um Hammer's luggage. So they put her away on the ship, um, and then these two bumbling idiots, one of whom is the son of uh, Joan Collins' character, Lady Hogbottom, and the other one is just some really dumb criminal. I mean dumb. They're like, can you multiply 20 times 2? And he's like, I don't know how to count. Everyone's got these Cockney accents. So these bumbling idiots try to capture the professor as they need Ionite to help fuel this rocket that they're going to kill everybody with. Mm. But uh, they are thwarted uh, by the girls and, of course, by Oliver Warbucks and Punjab and Asp. And, uh, you know, they're they're presumed to have been thrown overboard. They trick everybody, but they actually, they just make a little bit of a getaway, stowaway in this meat locker, and then they everybody ends up, uh, um, you know, after whatever would be a commercial break, I guess, they end up in London. And this is when they stay at Buckingham Palace. They are visited by these two goons again, one of them wearing an absolutely horrible disguise. I mean, just wearing this this terrible beard and glasses. And uh, he brings these milk and cookies up to everybody and is sneezing all over them, which in the age of corona <laughs> just made me cringe a little. Compliments of the management. Oh, hello. Hello. You've got a cold? I course chill. Yeah, that's about it. But see, this is so this is what he does once he brings this milk up there though. He drops these pills in it, these sleeping pills. Now, why he didn't do this beforehand, I have no idea. But he quite literally is like, hey, look at that, and then this goofy music plays as he's drugging these kids' milk. Take a look at your view. <laughs> And that's it, and so a couple people drink the milk and knock out, uh, one of them being Molly, of course, it, it's late, later in the scene, She they go to Hyde Park and then she falls asleep. There, she's picked up by a family, um, well, they all follow the family there, they're this family that has a lot of brothers, and the dad's down on his luck, and he's like, oh, I wish I could get a job, I guess they don't need me at the interview. And, uh, of course, you know, Warbucks gives him a job later. And they said, well, you know, we always wanted a little girl. I think that's what they said. I don't know. But anyways, it leads to Molly being uh, adopted at the end of the movie. So the plan of drugging all these characters' milk just goes completely awry. And they need other means to capture the girls as well as capture the scientist. So... Lady Hogbottom, she cozies up to the scientist, brings the girls over to their castle, and when they're in the castle, they, they lock the girls in this dungeon with no way to get out, and some snakes. Just as long as there's no snakes. I'm sure that there are no snakes. Don't worry, because Annie has been doing homework over the vacation, and she had to do a report on castles and dungeons, so she knows there is always a way out of the dungeon. They're in a pit. They can't get out. But we can't. We just have to find a secret door. And they do find a secret door, and they make their way out of the dungeon. And it is at this point that eventually Oliver Warbucks and everybody... Uh, 
working for him, finds out that the girls are missing. They head over to try to find them at the castle, and this is where we find out the evil plan that Hogbottom is going to try to blow up Buckingham Palace with a rocket, and she needs the Eonite and a couple other things from the scientist coordinates, that sort of thing. She needs all that to make her plan work, to kill everybody in the palace and to reclaim her her name as the long time ago with, I guess, the lore of this movie that their family was usurped and, and I, I don't care. So, uh, so, so she threatens to kill everybody. She's also threatening to kill these kids. Again, this is a G-rated movie. Better move away, I mean it. Otherwise, you'll both be very, very sorry. Michael. My rocket! Yep, so the rocket goes off, but Annie and this, this little kid, Michael, you know, they were able to sort of refigure the rocket to fly over the ocean and blow up over the ocean instead of blowing up Buckingham Palace. And as you can see, the scientist breaks the bad news to Lady Hogbottom before she's arrested. You know what you've just done, You've just blown up Buckingham Palace! No, Lady Hogbottom. Your rocket is harmlessly exploding over the ocean. So, everybody who's bad goes to jail. We go to Buckingham Palace, which the reason for doing this is Oliver Warbucks is going to be knighted. He's going to be Sir Oliver Warbucks. And once he's knighted, this happens. I'm so proud of you, Daddy Warbucks. The sun will come out tomorrow. And they go into tomorrow to end the movie. It's very abrupt and kind of out of place. Here's the thing. This is the very end of the movie. Uh, Warbucks, the richest man in the world, is knighted. All, all the bad people are in jail. I it just, <laughs> they just, I know they had to put it in there because it's the big song. But it's just so funny how out of place it is. Uh, and, you know, of course, at the end of the movie, you know, George Hearn is like, oh, I just love happy endings, right? Like the happy ending in Sweeney Todd. Welcome to the grave, I will have vengeance. You missed a segment? Hello? Hello, anybody home? Oh. You can find it at WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment. You can hear the full show, some of the clips, some of the things you might not even hear on the air. Interactive appetite, searching for a website, a window to the world, got to get online. Take a spin, now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. See you next week here at 11 a.m. WMAY.